Will you just read that quote? To start us off? Yeah. Okay. Regarding prayer of the leaders, on the median, a leader spends 14 hours a week in prayer. The least time in prayer by some leaders is seven hours a week, and the highest is 35 hours. The survey figures also clearly reveal that time spent in prayer by leaders is directly proportional to the effectiveness of their church planting ministry. All right, we're going to come back to this quote. We'll spend a little bit of time on it. We'll break it apart, explain where it came from. Before we go there, we're a little ways into this idea right now of have a mindset of movement. We're in a place of momentum. We're seeing encouraging things in the underground locally. We're having this conversation of of movement. What does this word mean? How we've seen it around the world, how that informs what we do here in the States. How does that inform how we live, how we strategize? And so that was kind of like the the framework that we've been going with. Uh, but I've got this this article that you wrote. Um, if if one were to look under the hood of disciple making movements, what becomes clear over time is that there are certain elements that fly in the face of traditional Western ministry assumptions and practices. And below are 12 paradigm shifts that must take place over time if we're to function as movement catalysts. So I think that's important to hear is like, if you're a part of the underground, whatever like level, quote unquote, of leadership or involvement or engagement that you are, it's like, I think a mindset for us is that we're seeing everybody as a leader. Like if we just like took leadership and condensed it down to say leadership is influence if you were to go like to a base level, mm-hmm. whether you're influencing one person, three people, 10 people, 250 people. We want to influence people towards the rhythms and the ways of Jesus to grow in their character and their calling, to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, do what Jesus did, all these things. There are shifts that we have to make from how how we may have traditionally done ministry into uh, new ways to become catalysts because we want everybody to be a catalyst towards this. We want people to invite other people in, be a part of sparking this movement. So the first thing is extraordinary prayer. When we look at our missionary pathway, that's the first thing, extraordinary prayer and fasting. And that's what we're going to look at for the next several weeks, interviewing some people that are far more skilled and gifted uh, and, and like their prayer rhythms, their prayer habits, um, an awareness of like what this is doing in heavenly places, in their own spirit, in their own postures, in their own communities, networks, whatever that looks like. I'm just throwing stuff out because I'm assuming that's going to happen. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because I believe that's going to happen. But today we, we just want to do like kind of an intro on we believe what precedes movement is extraordinary prayer. We've tried to embed it into our rhythms already as a community, as the underground. We're going to keep leaning into it. We always say extraordinary prayer and fasting is that phase in the missionary pathway that you never actually leave. Mm -hmm. It's what informs everything else. So what does extraordinary prayer mean? Yeah. The first definition I heard, which is super helpful, is add one extra thing to your ordinary prayer, and then that becomes 
extraordinary. (laughs) But it is helpful to say, like, what are you doing now? And then how do you move further? Yep. Like, very simply, that is encouraging to me. It's like, once I lean into some new rhythms, into some new ideas, into some new practices, and then that becomes normative, and I increase in my awareness of how to be connected to my father with this communication, like, What's another thing I can add? What's one more thing I can do? And so we can get into some practices and things like that, but let's stay at the higher level of, mm-hmm. let's just talk about what are the pillars of extraordinary prayer? What does it mean? Why does it matter? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one thing that is, in the end, we all agree on, as we look at movements globally, is that every disciple-making movement is preceded by a prayer movement. So that's that's one of the the things that we all just say, yes, it's just true every single time. Um, and so you you can kind of approach it from two angles. One is the big picture, wig, wig take, what's it going to take uh, question. Okay, so we start, how are we going to reach all the city? Therefore, our prayers have to match that. And so they in them of themselves become more and more extraordinary. So that's one end of it. The other end is starting of the actual just practical. What's what's It's like the I will statement. What am I going to do immediately to get to there? And that's the definition you said. Take what's ordinary and begin to be extra in some capacity, and it's extraordinary. But we want to keep building extraordinary, right? Like that's the thing is like that's next step. That's step two, and you know we need to probably keep growing in step four hundred. But we don't start with step four hundred. Um, and so that's that's the that's the reality is that I think as Americans we see prayer as transactional, mm. and I think movements. Anywhere around the world, Book of Acts, everything, I think it's just, it's different. It's connecting with the heart of God. Prayer is is intimate. And so in underground, we always say, God, what are you doing? And how can we join you? Yeah, that's like a breathing in, breathing out kind of thing. The language we use, breathe in. God, where are you at work? We listen. Was it an important part? Like Mm -hmm. we should go like, hours i just that's ironic we should go hours of talking about how you should listen we should breathe in god where are you at work and then stop and listen and then we should breathe out the exhale how can i join you today where are you at work in my life today in my context (sighs) breathe out how can i join you and then we listen again Uh, that's that is the piece that we don't do enough of i'll stop talking no but you're right i mean that's the that's the tool on the ground that we describe we teach we use and it's and it's so good but really, extraordinary prayer is just you keep expanding on that base that base concept, God, what are you doing and how can we join you? And if that's the case, then it becomes less transactional. All right, I want to see this. Therefore, the answer to this is to pray more. Okay, I'll pray more. Like that's actually backwards. I mean, that's still kind of my agenda-focused stuff. So God, and, now, and it becomes almost like a, if I do this, then you, God, are required <laughs> to meet me because, hey, I prayed for this for hours upon hours. It's like, but we could totally miss the the base question, God, what are you doing? Mm. And how can I actually join you in that process? And so I, I once heard a friend of mine who has seen a lot of stuff happen in South Africa say, I mean, it's prayer is more like having that, that cell phone that's constantly connected, right? You know, it's like, it's like constantly connected and we're listening, we're hearing, we're joining instead of just, okay, I'll send that text message or whatever, I'll do this and expect this response, right? So that to me, I feel like for us to grow as missionaries who pray in extraordinary ways 
is for us to understand that we're joining really the heart of God and what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prayer prayer is, is not only transactional. I, I, that shouldn't even be like the primary. Even though we treat it that way, you know, I need this. I'm going to go to God in prayer and hope that he addresses something based on, you know, this prayer. One of the, I'll, I'll just quickly hit this kind of tool that we use in the underground to help people through prayer. Is like, we want to follow Jesus in prayer. He spends so much of his life in prayer. We often see him getting away. He literally prayed through the night before he invited the 12. You know, so he's saying things like, I can only um, say what I hear my father saying. How did he do that? He listened. He went off. He got away in prayer. And it's like, are, are our lives mirroring him? To go back to that place of, are we um, being with Jesus like he was with his father? Are we being like Jesus and that we're making sure that we have these rhythms in our life of prayer. Are we doing what he did? Are we getting away to spend lengthy time talking to him and listening to him? And one of the tools that we use is what we call just the prayer circles. Uh, so just like a real quick overview, and we might we might dive into this later. But it's the idea that when we look at the way Jesus was leading his disciples, they knew that he was spending this much time in prayer. And they speak to him and say, hey, teach us how to pray. Like, show us how to do what you do. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus gives them this model prayer. You know, people argue like, well, he says this is how you should pray, not what you should pray. And it's like, it's not bad to pray this prayer, but it's it's also good. Like, it's, it's not bad at all, actually. It's beautiful to pray right. the Lord's Prayer. We can also call it the disciples' prayer because he's giving it to them as a model mm. to say this is how you should pray. He also says when you pray, so there's an expectation that they will do this. Mm. Uh, but the first thing is, is like the beginning of his prayer is, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Mm. And I always love how Rob uses this kind of idea that, you know, it's like uh, our friend Rob. I just say Rob. Like yeah. everybody knows who Rob is. Yeah. Everybody's got a Rob in their anyone life. Anyone who's anyone yeah. knows yeah. who Rob is. You know, also, if you have a Rob in your life, maybe he says this. Um <laughs> But just this idea that that begins with our Father in heaven, and when we come before a king, when we come before authority like this, when we come before someone who's, quote, hallowed, it's not our job to speak first. It's like when we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we should stop and listen right there immediately. And so it's like the biggest circle that we should spend time in. Um, and then the second, the second phrase is, you know, getting into this, your kingdom come, your will be done. So there's this missional prayer that we could step into where we want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. Like what if he actually meant what's happening in heaven right now? Let's see that happen here on earth right now. And it's not like it's, it's actually not till much further down. There's this like one phrase of give us the day our daily bread. And that's like that's the only what we call tactical prayer yeah. <laughs> that there is. Like so, there's this listening prayer. We celebrate who you are, what you're doing. There is this missional prayer that lives inside of that listening prayer. Let the kingdom come. And then there's this very small center circle of give us the day our daily bread. Most of us though make the give us the day our daily bread the biggest mm-hmm. thing that we spend time praying in, in the tactical, in the the next thing I'm doing. And, and so that's just that we'll get into this tool at a later time. Yeah. We'll kind of explore that further. But just as a way to say, like, as we look at Jesus, he spends so much time in prayer, and we assume so much of it is listening. 
so that he can align his life with his father's, lean into that. And it's only a very small part where we're saying, hey, I got this thing. Can you help me with it? If you want to make that yeah. kind of a base idea. Mm-hmm. But let's move um, move away from the tool, move away from this stuff, and kind of move back into how do we see prayer and movements? Why are we saying we need to shift to a mindset of prayer? What does it look like for us? So mm. speak a little bit more on that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so good what you're you're saying there. And the tool reflects the heart behind it is that we, it's more, this is God's story. Every movement is, it's a work of God. And so we're connecting to God's story um, and what he is doing. So that's, that, that, that tool just matches that. And I think the other way of looking at it is, okay, then we, then we can kind of describe what we see on the ground of uh, places where the gospel is rapidly expanding. Um, And so like, I, I came up with a while back in the training I was doing, just I called it characteristics of movemental prayer, which then Brian would say movemental is not a word. So it's a characteristics of... <laughs> no, I think of, it is. Oh, because I... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a legit word. Movemental? Yeah. Oh. I think Alan Hirsch made it up. Though. Well, they, see, I think <laughs> I think Jesus followers, we are allowed to be culture creators. <laughs> there you go. We're also allowed to make up words. I'm and, down. Which we freaking do all the time in the church. So characteristics of movemental prayer. And on the baseline, when I say movemental prayer, I mean prayer that's not just personal prayer, praying for others that you never see, right? It's like your feet matching your your prayers type of thing. So that's a general definition. But what, what characteristics... And elements are in in movemental prayer where it's you know around the world. And here's five things. One is there's significant personal prayer time. So that's going back to things that you were already just saying, right? Significant personal prayer, intimacy with the Father. Number two is significant team prayer. You are coming alongside other people who you're on mission with, be it a team, your microchurch, whatever. Um, people who are running the same direction in some form as you trying to actually go meet the needs, make disciples, plant churches, right? So significant prayer time, personal, significant team prayer. Then number three, regular and lengthy fasts. The fasting rhythms and the the movements of God are um, humbling, to say the least, to people who don't. And the reason, I mean, I mean, you could probably speak to this too, but just the base level of why is fasting so important in movements, it's like saying the first thing, this is God's story, not ours. Like we desperately are, are saying, okay, I'm not, you're, the sustenance that I'm going to receive right now is from you, God, only you, because we are weak. We can't do this. Only you can make this happen, right? Yeah, fasting breaks us out of regular rhythms too. And just like, you know, we use this language in the underground of fast and feast. Mm. We fast from something so that we can feast on Jesus, become more aware of what he's doing. We take the distractions out of our everyday life, which I'm great with our Western mentality that's like it it doesn't always have to be food because of, you know, health restrictions, Mm. different things like that. It can be Instagram or Facebook or TV or whatever. However, it should also be food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like there is something about like having to reach a place where like physically we are desperate. You know, because like Instagram isn't like a a source of life. You know what I mean? Like we need to figure out ways that break us out of life rhythms where we have to say, now I'm desperate for you to sustain me. Like that's yeah. why fasting. And I'm not, again, I'm not a legalist on that. I'm not trying to say it just has to be that, but like finding ways in our life 
to get to a place where it's like, yes, I needed to break out of something that was drawing my attention so that I could like move all of my affection and attention back to you. Yeah. We did a whole kind of series on this um, in, in just the underground equipping gatherings. And I feel like we could dive into this later, even on another podcast about the different types of fasts that we see in scripture. Um, but I think that's, what's really important is yes, all the, all the personal benefits, all the, this is what we do to, um, show, okay, the things that usually sustain me, I'm putting aside so that God can be my sustenance. That's a personal thing and it's true, but as missionaries, our fasting is also strategic in the sense that I want to really hear from you. I'm, I'm fasting to, to hear from you for the sake of your mission. We're fasting on behalf of the people that we're called to, right? This, like, this corporate missionary fast, which is just so key to the, to the results, I'm going to use that word, to the fruit of what we actually see in, in movement. Um, so that's number three. So it's significant prayer time, significant team prayer, uh, regular and lengthy fasts. And number four and really this is kind of all of them, but it's the mobilization of extraordinary prayer. So we're not only people who pray a lot, we're people who are mobilizing people to pray a lot. And that's key. Multiply, multiply, multiply extraordinary prayer. Get your prayer teams, teach them how to pray, right? And expand that. And there are ways to do that in our current world setting that's easier than ever before. You can mobilize people to pray. I just saw... um uh, it's a fascinating deal this morning. You know, we're in the middle of this coronavirus right now to lock this podcast into a time and place. Like the <laughs> context of that, uh, this student from um, this Bible college in Texas or something like that, she's like, we've got people that are believers. We have people that are non-believers on our campus. And one of the ways to engage the people that are not followers of Jesus is to do this big prayer tent once a year mm-hmm. that's like a safe place for them to explore, you know, like whatever, engaging mm-hmm. with some spiritual world. And we can't do it right now because we're limited on physical contact. So they did uh, a digital prayer tent. Like they walked people through Stations of the Cross digitally. They walked cool. people through, like you can click this button and it'll immediately take you to someone that you can pray with one-on-one. And it's like, man, there's, there's no reason we can't mobilize more and more people to access this like spiritual realm through prayer. Um, where we're just like going to the Father and, and praying and listening and being together in that way. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. Um, and then last but not least is on the ground level, missionaries, prayer is the catalytic strategy to break into new places and to find persons of peace, right? To, to break into new networks. Um, so we sometimes will call this um, the offer of early prayer. Right, so even as missionaries, to pray for the people that you're listening to and having conversations with, and man, that opens up doors, right? Like it's just such a really cool thing. I mean, just to offer prayer as a as a person who's living alongside and loving someone, it is actually received. I mean, I don't know. I've rarely had anyone say no, right? Say, hey, can I pray for you about that? Right, just the, and that becomes, especially as missionaries who understand their authority, pray in power when we you know, long for miracles and we actually believe them to be true. What an amazing apologetic for the power of God to pray something over someone who you're called to and then to immediately see that happen, right? Or to circle back in the next few days or whatever and see the fruit of that prayer. Um, You can see why globally, we saw this in, in Africa, 
the, the, the majority of new discovery Bible studies started up and down sub-Saharan Africa were a direct result of the miraculous, mm-hmm. of a sign and wonder of, of, of prophetic words, you know, like incredible stuff like that opened up the doors to new discovery. Because you're like, okay, now let's discover more about the God who just answered that prayer. Right. Right. So the fifth thing in, in movemental prayers is that it's a, it's a catalytic strategy, uh, strategy of missionaries themselves. So those five things, I think, really um, big picture define what movement prayer looks like. And so then, I mean, I don't know if it's it's to really circle back to that first quote. Yeah, I want to get back to the first quote just to say like where that came from. You should probably read it one more time just so people get the scope of it, um, but then tell a little bit of the story behind that of why that was uh, such a meaningful thing. Yeah, I feel like this might be a good time, and then I'll read the quote again. Like the, the, There was such fruit, and I'm not going to give specifics. I think it's all out there, but just in case, you know, this right. is uh, um, a place in India where, um, you know, 12, 15 years ago, we're just seeing these, this explosion um, of new churches. And, and the fruit was so compelling that the, that was being reported from the field back to the mission, the sending agency, that it's essentially they didn't believe them. And so they sent an outside group to go and study what was happening on the ground and uh, actually found that the fruit was even more than what was being reported. And so they actually did an entire um, like executive re- report right on like they've studied all of this they did all you know just to and they found the out the fruit of the ministry is more than was reported and they broke down a bunch of their the summary of things that they studied and one of them was when i say regarding prayer of the leaders that's actually from the executive summary report um, of that section of prayer and so i'm going to read this this is this is literally describing the prayer habits of catalytic leaders within this movement it says on the median a leader spends 14 hours a week in prayer. The least time spent in prayer by some leaders is seven hours a week, and the highest is 35 hours. The survey figures also clearly reveal that time spent in prayer by leaders is directly proportional to the effectiveness of their church planting ministry. Like That's ridiculous. You know, I mean, like literally we can, we can see how much you pray, Directly corresponding to the fruit of the ministry. What do you do with that? I mean, like, do we... <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a part of me that goes, all right, uh, so an hour a day, that's, you know, one day a week. I mean, an hour, one day every day of the week, up to five hours a day. I mean, seven times five, right? Wait, yeah, yeah. I, I don't do math. I'm terrible I believe math. you. <laughs> Whatever you say, I believe you. So the idea that, like, some of these leaders are spending five hours a day in prayer and like that is directly connected to how effective they are at making disciples. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is important for us. I know you asked the question, is it like, is it encouraging or is it overwhelming? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll throw this out in some trainings and that's generally the the question I'll put to people. Is this encourage you or does this just bring the shame spiral? And I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I can never do this. And the answer, yeah, is kind of both. Definitely. It's encouraging to say, okay, prayer works because this is God's story. We're joining him and we're going to desperately cry out to him. You know, I could actually even go further into uh, more of the results of this, particularly uh, this person uh, wrote material and actually was start, shared basically 
if you just look at the top quote unquote performers, like the, the best church planting, like if you just look at that and look at those numbers, oh, like that, that's actually even more causing shame spiral in my life. Cause it's like, oh man, the amount of hours is way more than the numbers we just read. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're, they're praying more, they're fasting more, they're up at 4am they're work and they have, they have real jobs. They're working 10 at 10. Yeah. These aren't you know? like paid professionals. Right. Yeah. These are, yeah. these are indigenous leaders. And so, I mean, just as we, as we think about and, and, and really the interviews and the other podcasts that we're going to have available here is it's through that lens that, th- that prayer precedes movement. Yeah. I'd go back to just in some, you know, like prayer precedes movements. We want to have that filter. We want to make that shift strategy means less. It's not that we can't have strategies. I mean, you even use this word, it's like prayer is the strategy. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's because Jesus did this. Jesus spent time with his father. This is his method to get away and pray. Like I imagine his level, if we like recorded his hours are probably higher than even these leaders. You know, it's like, Mm. this is what we want to do is slowly align our life to his. And you know, it's like, it's not about shame. It's not about comparison. It's about today. Let's go back to extraordinary prayer. What's one extra thing I can do? Add a minute. Yeah. Add two minutes, add 30 minutes, whatever it is, but begin to add more to our prayer rhythms to be with Jesus because it's in being with him that we'll hear, this is where I'm at work and this is how you can join me. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches and every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.